This is Fred Vogel from Toe Tag, and you're listening to Sick on Cinema. Welcome to a very special edition of Sick on Cinema. I am one half of your hammer-wielding sociopaths, John. I'm <laughs> your other half, Matt. Did you think I wouldn't have one ready? <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I'm a true goddamn professional. I, I knew you had, I knew you'd have one coming, but I, that's the one I definitely expected it was going to be. Huh? Well, here we are, John. I'm drinking, sorry. <laughs> You're drinking. <laughs> so... What is this episode, Matt? This is the Fred Vogel episode. Yep. Toe tag pictures, if you will. Or just toe tag whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want to call it. This has been a long time in the making. (sighs) A lot longer than it probably should have been. Um, Yeah. But But it's finally begun. And this is another way for us to say, you know... Happy anniversary to Sick on Cinema. Yeah, even though we're way behind now. Well, we are way behind, but this is definitely our special, and we talked about it on the mini-episode and the episode before that. Yes. A little a little bit on the yeah. episode before that. So we officially announced about a week ago Yeah, that we have secured interviews with both Jason Schneeberger, who you may know as Rain Architect, the man who did our theme song, who uh, is also the star, one of the stars of Murder Collection Volume 1. Also has the channel Beyond the Realms. Yes. So, and yeah. <laughs> also, do you want you can introduce the next one? Yeah, to those who do not follow our social media, and a lot of you do not follow us on Twitter. We only have three followers. I think two of them are us. <laughs> but um, and that's Fred Vogel. Fred Vogel, head of Toe Tag, the man behind the August Underground trilogy. And all of these movies we'll be covering mm-hmm. within the next, I would say, two weeks? Two parts, yep. Yeah. This is part one. The next week will be part two. Uh, part one will be all August Underground. Yeah. We'll be covering August Underground, August Underground's Mortem, and August Underground's Penance. As well as you will be hearing Fred Vogel speak of those films. And then, once we get done with the August Underground, we will close the episode with the interview with Jason which will give us a nice lead way into the next episode where we will be talking about Murder Collection Volume 1. This These two episodes may be our longest ever. They're going to be epic. They're going to be big. Because we're interviewing two, excuse me, two men about films they've been a part of. Mm-hmm. One directing, of course, one acting. Yes. And with our thoughts and opinions about these movies mm-hmm. and... It's it's gonna be stacked, so this is gonna be a long ride. Yeah, buckle up. Um, and just so everyone understands what I'm saying, uh, the once we get done with our little intro thing here, we will 
jump to uh, Fred Vogel talking about his early, you know, his early stuff, as well as how he got involved with Savini School. He will then talk about the August Underground movies. We'll come back to us talk about the August Underground movies, and then we'll cap it all off with Jason. Yes. Speaking on everything. <laughs> everything. Between, everything. Like, he'll be getting into detail of, you know, the aggression behind his infamous scene in Murder Collections mm-hmm. and working with Fred on other things as well. As well as Rain Architect stuff. Yes. So, and I figured that's a great way to cap off this episode is to have the Jason interview in full. That way, when we jump in next time and we do talk about Murder Collection, you have a little teaser to get you ready for what Fred has to say about Murder Collection as well as us. Yes. As well as every other movie. So before we get into this massive episode, uh, we just want to say a massive, massive, massive shout out. Thank you to Jason for not yes. only being a part of this episode, but also being our hookup with, for Fred Vogel. Yeah, and another special thank you to Fred Vogel for even considering yes. doing this interview with us. But without Jason, this would never have happened. Yeah. So if you enjoy this episode, what's his, what's his, uh, what's his Instagram? I think it's... Slay the day something. It's slay the day. Uh, uh, we are the most unprepared podcast that's ever existed. Well, I did not think you were going to bring that. Well, I didn't think about it until right now. I got this, dog. It's right. slay the day 77. Yes. As well as follow him also at Rain Architect. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode, slay the day 77, Rain Architect, go give those pages a big like because he is the reason it's happening. Yeah, he is on Spotify. Am I correct about that? Yes. Yeah. Follow him on Spotify as well. And not just because he got us an interview with Fred Vogel, but also just giving yeah. time itself to talk about this stuff to make it even more interesting to get another perspective on mm. this stuff. So, big thank you to Jason. Go. J- Jason has done so much for this yeah. podcast. It's not even funny. He's the third man. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he's kind of the third man. <laughs> he's the third man on this podcast. Um, but anything you want to talk about, Matt, before we... anything the fact that we've been so busy with other things. Yeah, it's been a bummer. We wanted this episode to come out much, much sooner. Yeah, on top of that, uh, our YouTube channel is also on hiatus. Yes. <laughs> because of all the stuff that's going on in our lives right now. But still go give it a subscribe, Fright Crave. Yeah, uh, FrightCraveYouTube.com. It's got a Twitter page, Instagram, and Facebook. Mm-hmm. I barely check the Facebook, so if you don't want to follow there, you don't have to. And there's a Twitch page as yes. well. So and while we're doing the shit. plugins, might as well plug. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, give us a rating on iTunes. Give us a rating yes. and review. That can, that does nothing but help. Um, email us at sickoncinema at gmail.com. Follow us on the Twitters. Follow us on the Instagrams. Follow us on the Facebooks. It's all the same thing, Sick on Cinema. Yes. want to get all that way out of the way now. Because we're about to get into three of the most infamous films mm-hmm. in just the disturbing cinema, I guess, genre. Yep, yep. Yeah, August Underground is for sure, you know, a catalyst for many people to jump into the extreme, the super extreme cinema stuff. I mean, it was the the first August Underground film and Cannibal Holocaust is what introduced me to Disturbing films as a whole, and then I just kept watching from there on, and we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. But before you hear us talk about it, before we give our thoughts on the August Underground trilogy, we are now going to go to the first part 
God. of the Fred Vogel interview, which I don't, you know, every time I say that, I'm like, <laughs> this happened. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to throw it to Fred Vogel right now. He's going to talk about his early beginnings all the way through August Underground's penance. And then we'll come back and we will talk about the August Underground trilogy. So all we'll right. see you all then. So I guess uh, even though it's kind of a cliche question, kind of talk about you know how you got in the genre and what made you want to be a director. Um, I always wanted to make movies. Um, ever since I was like five years old, I saw Frankenstein, and um, that was uh, the catalyst to, you know for everything. I wanted to make monsters. I wanted to do special effects. And then you know growing up in the '80s, you know that was like the heyday for special effects and Fangoria magazine. So. Um, I was reading all of these magazines, and everybody kept talking about, you know, filmmakers like Toby Hooper and John Carpenter and Sean Cunningham and Wes Craven, George Romero, um, and I mean that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be one of those guys. I wanted to make horror movies, and um, I thought that, uh, you know, I, if I, I, I was pretty artistic, so I was like, if I can, you know, become a special effects artist, maybe I can become a director, too. Kind of like, you know, like what Tom Savini was doing. So uh, that was like a huge inspiration for me was, you know, when Tom did the remake of Night of the Living Dead here in Pittsburgh. And um, it was just like, wow, you know, you can be an effects guy and make movies. That's like the best of both worlds. So that's, that's kind of how I got started. Um, how did you get involved with the, the school, of, the Savini School? Um, I was hired right out of college to teach at the Douglas, the Douglas Education Center, which which became the Tom Savini Makeup School. So when I was hired, the Tom Savini School didn't exist yet, and um, but they were working on it. There was rumblings that they were working on it, and um, you know, once things started happening, it was like it was pretty amazing to be there at the birth of the Tom Savini Makeup Program. So myself and then another instructor named Jerry Girdley, who is the main instructor right there now, um, he's still still running it. Uh, you know, it was, it was like a dream for me. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, that's why I moved to Pittsburgh was to, you know, work with Tom Savini, and I was you know, I was getting my chance to do it. So it was pretty awesome. Did you teach yourself to do effects, or did someone kind of show you? Um, you know, I you know when I was a kid, I practiced with you know tissues and glue and paper towels and you know latex and whatever color makeup that I had from that Halloween and um, I taught myself that I read a lot of books you know, there's a lot of great books uh, you know Dick Smith uh, Halloween books and how to do like Dracula makeup and a Frankenstein makeup and, you know things like that but um, I went to college at the Art Institute of Pittsburgh and um, that's where I was really taught the craft of, you know, doing appliances and, um, you know, proper sculptures and for makeups and learning learning different techniques that way. So the artist to do was the schooling that I had. At the time, there was really no other makeup schools. There was a, uh, there was a Joe Velasco school in Florida. And um, then the Art Institute had a, a small program, so that's kind of how you know a lot of us got started. Um, for someone who would be wanting to get into makeup effects, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, practice, you know, um, go buy yourself a makeup palette and practice, 
and if it's something that you really want to do and you really want to get into it, then you definitely need to have some schooling. So um, you can either get your education by, you know, reading books and doing it that way, or you can go through the school level and, uh, you know, go to the Tom Savini Makeup School because, you know, there's some really, you know, amazing artists coming out of there every semester. You know, you're seeing them on Face Off. You're seeing them, uh, you know, out in the, in, in the world, in the business. So they're definitely, you know, putting out some really talented kids. Um, did you uh, have? Did you work on any short films or anything, or did was August Underground kind of your first foray into making movies? No, I was. Uh, I was actually when I was going to the Art Institute on the weekends. I would make movies with my friends, and uh, I would bring these movies into the school, and um, you know, everybody would laugh and you know, get their kicks out of what we were doing. And I mean, this is, I didn't even know how to edit back then. I just knew how to, I would like, you know, hit record and then act out a scene and then hit, a, you know, hit stop and then try to pick it up with a different cut using like in-camera editing. This would be, I didn't even have a system how to edit yet. And, um, but it got the attention of the film department there. And um, they asked me to, you know, do a documentary on the first bicycle that was going to be ridden in Antarctica. And I remember, like, some of the film kids were kind of pissed because, you know, I was that guy, I was the effects kid, you know, making a movie. And I was like, why does he get to do that, you know? And it's because I was making better movies than a lot of the film, a lot of the film guys. So um, I shot this little documentary, and I won an award for it. And uh, that's kind of how I got started. But, uh, you know, August Underground kind of came when I was teaching at the Savini School. It was, it was like one of those things where I was really getting into the filmmaking process and directing and knew, you know, I knew I didn't have a lot of money, but I was like writing scripts and I was trying to figure out ways how to make a movie. Um, cause I really didn't know, you know, I, I really didn't know what was going on. And at the time, a lot of movies that were shot on video just didn't look good. So I was like, oh, I, I don't want my shit to look bad. You know what I mean? Like that was super important to me. I was like, all right, well, but I don't have a lot of money. You know, what can I do? And um, August Underground kind of came out of that way of thinking of just like, hey, if we if we make it look dirty and raw, you know, that's an, that's an artistic uh, point with the movie. So, you know, I'm, and I'm glad that's the way it all went down because that's really what gives, you know, August Underground that look and kind of makes it timeless because, you know, like you still watch videos on YouTube or whatever in 2018 and some of that shit looks like, you know, August Underground look. So, is there a way to see that documentary? Because that sounds fascinating. You know, I probably have. I probably have it somewhere on a video set, deep hidden in the archives somewhere. Maybe one day it'll pop up in some. When you were working on August Underground, was there any like real life um, scenarios or like serial killers that you kind of like were influenced by? Because when I watch it, I can't help but think about like Charles Ng and Leonard Lake. You know, at the time, I was reading a lot on them, and um, just, you know, it pretty much, it's like, I, I you know, I, I read all, like, a lot of serial killer books, the Time Life books, watched a lot of the documentaries that was that were on and available at the time, um, you know, and I was heavily influenced, too, by movies like Man Bites Dog and uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and Cannibal Holocaust, movies that just kind of pushed the boundaries. And, 
you know, but I, I, it's hard for me just to pick one serial killer because there really wasn't. I just kind of took everything that I, you know, I thought was really just fucked up and, um, you know, kind of put my own spin on things. So that's really where it all came from. With, uh, with the second one, Mortem, you, uh, you worked alongside, uh, Killjoy of Necrophagia, who unfortunately passed away this year and was a massive loss on not just the horror community, but also the metal community as well. Could you talk a little bit about working Absolutely. with him and how he, how he was to work with? Um, yeah, so um, one day I get a phone call from this guy, Killjoy, and I didn't know who Necrophagia was. I didn't know who he was. And um, he got my number from Rod Godino, who is the owner of Rumor Magazine. And... Um, Rob was just like, Killjoy, you need to see this guy Fred's movie. It's, you know, it's everything you'd love. Because Killjoy loved sick and depraved shit. You know, the, the, the videos that he did with Van Bever back in the day, with Through the Eyes of the Dead, was just, you know, some brilliant sickness. And, um, you know, Killjoy was always looking for that next sick thing, you know. So when he contacted me, he, he kind of like told me who he was and, um, he asked if I could send him a copy of August Underground. And at the time, I really didn't know what to do because um, Alan Peters, who was the cameraman in the movie, him and I, uh, you know, he left because he just didn't uh, know how to handle what was, you know, the reviews we were getting for August Underground. Because people at the, t- at the time, nobody seen anything really like it. So, you know, people were like, is this real? Like, what is this shit? You know, do we need to call the cops on you? That kind of stuff. And, um you know, Alan had a family, and I didn't. So he was just like, "Well, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna vanish." And I'm like, "Okay." So I didn't know what to do. I'm like, "Wow, I just like I did. I made this movie. I actually I lost my job because of it. And uh, now, like the guy who I made the movie with, who's supposed to, you know, take this 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 ride with me, was just like, "No, I don't want to do this anymore." So I was just like, you know, I didn't know what to do. And I was getting to the point where I was just like, fuck it. You know, I'm just going to put it out myself and, you know, see what happens. I worked I worked so hard on it. I put everything that I had into it. And, uh, you know, I didn't know. I didn't. I wasn't exactly sure if I should send any more out. And, you know, Killjoy was like, hey, Fred. He's like, if I send you a box of necrophagia stuff, and he's just like, it just shows you that I'm real. And then you can just make me a copy, and, you know, that'll be cool. So that's what he did. He sent me this big box of records and, you know, DVDs and T-shirts and, you know, all kinds of necrophagia stuff. And I'm like, wow, this guy is for real. And I went over to my, you know, many tapes of, like, wrestling Saturday Night Night Main Events or whatever that I had. Uh, Just recorded August Underground into that wrestling tape and sent it off to Killjoy. And... Um, the movie affected him and he got back in contact with me and was just like, we need to work together. And since he only, he was living in Ohio, um, you know, that's only like 45 minutes from Pittsburgh. So we ended up, you know, getting together and, you know, meeting and, you know, hitting it off and instantly became brothers. It was one of those things where we could talk about movies, we could talk about music, you know, we could just talk about life. It was just, you know, you know, when you meet somebody who, uh, just feels like family. That's kind of how Kildare was with me. Yeah, we were we were both pretty, you know, affected by his passing. We unfortunately never got a chance to meet him. Um, but 
yeah, we just wanted to, you know, give a second to kind of talk about Killjoy and who he was as a person. So we appreciate that. Oh, cool, um, yeah, man. He was he was a wonderful person. He loved horror. You know, horror was his life. Um, you know, he, uh, he was so knowledgeable about movies. He, he brought, you know, uh, Fulci culture to people. People didn't even give a shit about Fulci, you know. Kildare was always one push, pushing Fulci, Fulci lives. And, um, I mean, he helped find Roger Watkins, who directed Last House and Dead End Street. I mean, the guy did a lot of stuff. And that's just, you know, that's just, uh, you know, a little bit. I mean, the guy was an innovator in his own right with his music and, you know, what he accomplished there, so. Yep, for sure. Definitely one of the godfathers of death metal, so. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I got the, you know, I got to go to, you know, I toured with Necrophagia in Europe and, uh, you know, did a lot of stuff with, with those guys, so. I miss him very much. Yeah. Um, one of the most interesting aspects to me about August Underground in the trilogy is almost like the stuff that's happened in between each movie. Like, what happened to the cameraman and what happened to Maggot in between Mortem and Penance. Is this stuff that, like, somewhere you have written down, like, the lore of August Underground? Um, you know, there, you know, there is, you know, it was always funny when people, like, would review August Underground. They'd be like, oh, these movies have no plot. Um, which is really, you know, not true. You know, the movies have lots of plot. It's just that I don't force feed it to you like a mainstream movie. You know, you might you have to pick up plot points from a little bit of dialogue that I say from, um, you know, a little vignette of something that happens. You know, that all pushes the story along. And two, you know, what makes August Underground, you know, surreal is that you know, the camera just turns on and off and jumps, you know, from different times. And, uh, you know, you, as the viewer, get to put your own imagination to what happened in between. So that's what I love. That's, that's really what I love about it, is letting, you know, having somebody watch it and get their own ideas. Like, what happened with the maggot, you know, at the end of that, at the end of the movie? What happened to the girl at the end of August Underground? You hear her scream, but, like, you know, what happens? And, you know, I, we tried really hard give those movies those movies those moments because you know that's what makes the movie you know real and terrifying is by giving it those moments was penance always meant to be the end of the trilogy because I, I it feels like a great finale as you watch these characters literally kind of like disintegrate uh absolutely absolutely so like i made you know i made the first august underground um when we made the second one um, there was just a lot more hands in the pot, you know, it was kind of like a collective project, you know, with, uh, with Killjoy and Jeremy Cruz and Michael Schneider and Christy Wilde and myself and, and everybody brought some really great ideas into it based off my characters and the style of, of August Underground. And it got to the point to where, you know, I, uh, I just wanted to bring it back home to what it was. So that's why, uh, you know, Penance, as soon as, while we were shooting August Underground's Mortem, I knew that now there had to be a third one. Um, because one, I, I like trilogies, and two, um, I don't, you know, I really want to show the descent of these characters. And that's where, you know, August Underground's Penance comes from, is you really see the decline of the characters. So. 
the one thing I think is very interesting about Penance is what you talked about, kind of the declining of these characters, and it seemed as though like you both. Like was a lot of that done through makeup, or did you also like you know set out to maybe like lose weight and like really like put yourself in the moment? Because you by the end of the movie you both look very tattered. Yeah, well, you know it's all makeup. Um, it was actually August Underground's Penance was the funnest August Underground movie to make. Um, you know there was the you know the first one was like what the fuck are we doing? I hope this works. August Underground's Mortem was like wait we're going way too far here. Uh, you know, this is a movie. And then August Underground's Penance was, you know, love. You know, everybody was, was, you know, I was recently, you know, became, you know, engaged to my wife, Shelby. Um, you know, J- Jeremy at the time was dating Christy. You know what I mean? It was just like, it was like two couples working their asses off, you know, with this business and uh, making this movie. And, knew, and knowing that this is going to be the last one. So, uh, you know, we just had a lot of fun with it, and we were able to bring in a lot more of, like, our fans and friends. So, you know, pretty much most of the majority of the victims were people who have been following Toe Tag, you know, since day one. And it was kind of like our gift to them. It was like, hey, you know, we'd really love to have you in the movie. And there it was. <laughs> for you, that was a couple, that was a little bit. For us, that was literally 30 seconds. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, massive thank you to Fred Vogel for yeah. giving two idiots from East Tennessee <laughs> an hour and a half of his time. <laughs> yeah, and some questions that were, were probably cut out that <laughs> were absolutely atrocious. <laughs> we were nervous, to say the least. I don't think that's a... No, I, I think it was pretty obvious whenever me and you were talking about it and he emailed us back. I think you were telling the story... To me, that you were sitting on your phone at like two o'clock <laughs> in the morning, and you you get an email alert that's Fred Vogel, and you immediately put your phone up with the bed. I was like, it's too late to think about trying to do this right now. I'm too late. I won't be able to sleep if I work on it. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, you know, Fred is such an influential filmmaker in the underground, not just you know extreme horror, but just underground cinema yeah. in general. You know, the guy really paved the way. You know, for a lot of people, I feel like. Oh, yeah, of course. So, it's you know, to get a chance to speak to a guy that influential and that important, it doesn't happen too often. I mean, he's one of the fathers of modern-day independent cinema. I would agree with that 100%. You know, the August Underground trilogy has been ripped off a million times. It's ridiculous. Including mainstream films. Yeah. Which I know the Poughkeepsie tapes never hit mainstream, never hit theaters, but it was still going to. Yeah, and... You know, it's a different approach, but it's still at at its basis, you know. Yeah, there's so many films out out there. Not, not, you know, just mainstream or anything like that. I mean, for God's sakes, the movie, uh, I I guess it's kind of like it, like Unfriended, which is, it's paranormal, but... Yeah, but it's still... It's still people getting murdered on camera. Yeah, you know, found footage, you know, it's crazy to me, because, like, where I'm getting at with this is, like, I can't tell you how many times I'm on Facebook and find a random list of, like, top ten most disturbing movies, and it's by some mainstream website. Yeah. And lo and behold, on that list... Is at least one of these films. Yeah, and it's like, these films transcended and went beyond the underground Yeah, to really become a cult-like film. In, in the interview with Fred, and there's a lot of people who thought these films were real when they first came mm-hmm. out, which is... I mean... Could you imagine 
making a film that's that scary to people that they thought it was yeah I absolutely mean, real. The thing to me is like maybe a, you know a great place to start with is like just kind of how we first became aware of the August Underground films. I became aware of them through like a lot of things I became aware of was deadpit.com. Yeah. Who, you know, always got to give a shout out to the Deadpit boys because, you know, they paved the way for this. Of course. <laughs> you know. I mean, they also paved the way for modern uh it, like horror podcasts mm-hmm. around the world and I mean, without them who knows if this would have even caught. Yeah, I would never have thought about doing a podcast. No. Um, but they reviewed August Underground's Penance was yeah. the first time I ever heard of the August Underground movies. And, like, I, I remember Uncle Bill in particular just being, like, shocked by uh, the Christmas scene in particular. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, in my head at the time in particular, because this was me at my peak wanting to watch disturbing movies, I immediately was like, well, I've got to see this. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I went to my first horror convention, was kind of moseying around, looking at DVDs, and I was at the uh, Cinema Wasteland table. Who uh, Cinema Wasteland, if you don't know, is a convention out of Strongsville, Ohio. But he also used to, I don't see him around as much as I used to, do other cons and sell movies. Yeah. And posters and stuff like that. Um, and I'm looking through his little stacks of stuff and I see this black case. Like it's just super dark. Like you can barely even see what it is. And I pick it up and I'm like looking at it and sure enough... It has the Virgin Mary on it. And it says August Underground's Penance. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> like I have to like, I have to buy this, and I buy it and I watch it. And my first viewing of it, I was like, "Man, that was that was good." Like that was really good. like I think I was like I was waiting to get like super disturbed, which the movie is, you know. Yeah. But like Penance is so well made, which oh, we're yeah. going to get into each one individually. That I don't think it has this. It had me in the same way that the other films was. So immediately I became fascinated with the August Underground movies and was like, I have to get them. But for some reason I bought them in reverse order. <laughs> like I watched Penance, Mortem, and then the first one. <laughs> That's bizarre, but so you know, August Underground Penance is going to always have a very special place to me because it was my introduction to Toe Tag. Yeah. So that's my that's how I discovered the August Underground films. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think the first Toe Tag movie I watched was actually it was either August Underground, the first one, or it was Red Sin Tower. Yeah, which we'll get into Red Sin next week. In the, but, in the next episode, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so should we just jump in? Yeah, unless you want to talk about a little bit how you discovered August Underground, and your first experiences with it. Uh. Ironically enough, I watched the first August Underground movie with you, mm-hmm. and I watched the other two by myself, and I was not prepared for the, for the second one. <laughs> yeah, so we can go ahead and start getting into August Underground, if you want to. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. These are big movies. Yeah. In the, the in the extreme horror cinema world, these are like as big as it gets. Yeah. You know, in particular, Mortem is considered on a lot of people's lists the number one, the Mac Daddy, you know. Mm. So, this whole episode's a big deal. I mean, you literally just heard Fred Vogel talk about these movies. So, let's just Fred get into Vogel. Fred Vogel. <laughs> um, so, 2001, the year of our Lord. <laughs> year of I don't our know. Lord? I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm very confused by that, but... A little movie was made. I don't know if it was released in 2001. Probably should ask Fred that. Yeah. Um, 
a little underground movie was made for you know little to no money, and it would spark a revolution almost. <laughs> it definitely had people's attention. Yeah, and that would be none other than the original August Underground. This movie is insane. Yeah, I've always said like August Underground is the most real. Yeah. August Underground Mortem is the most extreme, and August Underground Penance is the most well-made. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. So, under- August Underground tells the story of these two serial killers, one played by Fred, um, who you just see their exploits day by day through these tapes. And sometimes it's them in their basement committing these atrocities, and sometimes it's going to go see a corn cover band. Yeah. You know? Which is, it's still bizarre to me to this day. And I think that's what makes the August Underground films better than most attempted fake... Yeah. Some people call them fake snuff. And I, you know, this, let me go ahead and get this out of the way. Okay. To me, these are not fake snuff movies. Murder Collection is closer to a fake snuff film than, yeah. than the August Underground. Because the August Underground is no different than like the Leonard Lake and Charles Ng tapes. Yeah. These, these, this was not made to be sold... I mean, like the very the very second episode we did, this is serial killer like mockumentaries, but except for in this case, it's about it's not like a, a it's not a documentary. Yeah, it's it's, it's as though you picked up a tape on the side of the road, popped it in, and this is what it would be. It's like if you somehow came across the oh, what was it called the the Leonard Ling Charles Ng oh the Miranda tapes, tapes. yeah Miranda tapes. It's like if you came across that, and it's very... Like, I knew about this before I knew about Charles Ng and Leonard Lake. Yeah. But when I learned about it, I was like, this is very similar. hmm And, yeah. <laughs> but to me, like, August Underground, the first one is like, it's such a... It's so different than anything else like it at the time. You know, like, of course, you had, like, Man Bites Dog and Camp of Holocaust, Blair Witch Project. You know, the found footage films existed, but nothing of this vein that had such a visceral experience mm-hmm. that truly allowed you to get in to the mind of these guys. Because, like I said, literally, it'll go from them, like, you know, torturing this woman by, you know, cutting off her boyfriend slash husband, maybe, his big toe and, like, putting her mouth and taping it shut. To them going to some kind of miniature exhibit, yeah, and looking at railroad tracks. Yeah, it's it's so crazy how they maneuver from you know just daily activities to these heinous crimes, mm-hmm. and take just as much joy and glee from each of it. Yeah, and you know, people, the detractors of the August Underground films will always say there's no plot. That's not right. There's there is plot. Yeah, it's just it, it isn't narratively forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, I it, mean in the interview, Fred discusses that. Yeah, it's just it's a hard film to discuss just because of like, you know, the impact it had on independent cinema. Yeah, is you can't really like explain how big and important whether you like it or hate it. You know what I mean? That's not the point. The point is, like, it created a genre that we still see to this day. Yeah, and it it kind of pushed forward a genre of, of film that 
had had started to gain traction in the years previously, but from this movie and other films like it, pushed it to mm. the mainstream to where it seemed like every single year Hollywood was pushing out movies in the same vein. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this movie, though not as brutal as the movie we're going to get into, definitely has its fair share of shocking moments. Um, the brilliance of just kind of starting on the outside of the house. Mm-hmm. You know, not... The first thing you see in the film isn't something horribly grotesque. It's someone pouring out a beer. Yeah. And Fred being like, hey, I want to show you something. Come on, you know. And they go down the stairs, and then there it is. You know, there's the beginning. Yeah. There's the the basement that you become so familiar with throughout the films, you know. Throughout the next two films. And, like, you can't, like, if you've never seen the film before, it's hard to prepare yourself, like, because when you go down in there and there's this woman duct taped to this chair with her nipple cut off. You know, yeah, and they don't. And Fred has <laughs> never shot away from the truly grotesque shit that is true life. Like, you know, she's gonna have to use the bathroom. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, where does that go? You know, other <laughs> movies you see that they'll they'll kind of shy away from that because they wanna they wanna keep the sexiness in it. You know what I mean? The the sexiness in it. It it's people like it's like it's a naked woman. You know what I mean? They want to like show that naked woman as that. Where in this film, it's like, she has shit all over her. You know what I mean? <laughs> because she has to use the bathroom. Just because she's tied to this chair doesn't mean, you know, her body stops working. I mean, th- these movies just show how brutal people can actually be to one another. And that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's so it's so realistic in that aspect, you know what I mean? Where it's just like little details like that really kind of push it over the edge yeah, and just makes it so much different and then and then from there you move on to them just kind of like like I said going to a farm or, or a corn cover band concert and you seeing them as like humans mm-hmm. and then you go back to seeing them as monsters you know what I mean it's kind of like what last podcasts and the left always say they want to do is they want to humanize these monsters you know what I mean mm-hmm. but honestly most time that makes it even more frightening because it's like it could be the person that literally standing next to you. Yeah, it could be the guy you see at the supermarket every every weekend, or the guy you went to you went to a concert and saw you know in the crowd somewhere. It could literally be anyone. Mm-hmm. I also like too. It's like it almost like shows these characters as being like the smarmy little assholes they are. Yeah. Because like when they're at the at the concert, they get thrown out. <laughs> you know. And they're kind of being little bitches there. But when they're in their own basement, oh, and then they're badasses, you know? Yeah. So it's like, when they're in control, they're the badasses. But when they're not, they're just little bitches, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's definitely humanizing uh, these these monsters, as you said. And uh, something to go along with it is... I was going to say something, but my brain just completely <laughs> erased it from my mind. Well. And with a, that thought. That's all right. Be gone, thought. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um, no, I was just, uh, you know, I love, uh, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Well, To me, the most disturbing thought. scene of the film is definitely when they kidnap the twin brothers. Yeah. Like, just the glee that Fred takes in, like, 
you know, punishing these two people that just a minute ago they were being friends with. Yeah. You know? And it's it's these two guys wanting to play God. And it's, it's horrifying to watch. Yeah. And, of course, the finale of the August under, of this one as well is, like, so memorable. Yeah. I, when the first time I saw it, I did not... For some reason, I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, I didn't. But and then when it happens, it's like, holy shit. Yeah. Um. To me, when I'm watching the finale, like, you know, Fred talked about it a little bit too, but, like, I like that a lot. I like the ambig- ambiguity of what happens. You know what I mean? Mm. Did, did that person get away? Are they going to be caught? Is that what happened to the cameraman? You know? Yeah. That ideal, like, that you can kind of, like, create your own lore is fun to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, fan fiction is a huge thing on the internet, <laughs> you know? And I'm not saying right August Underground fan fiction, but I like that <laughs> idea. I like that ideal that you can fill your own story in. You know what I mean? August Underground fanfiction. It's horrifying. (laughs) It is terrible. But, like, it's cool because, like, there is, like, such a gap between August Underground and Mortem that you can be, like, you know, like, all right, well, he must have got caught or something. And then Fred met her, you know? Yeah. But, again, when it comes to her, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So, anything else you want to talk about with the original August Underground before we move on? I mean... If you haven't yet and you're into these types of films, then do yourself a favor. Yeah. I really love... I love all three of these movies. Yeah. And I know that's a weird thing to say. Most people are like one and done with the August Underground movies. But I think, to me, there's so much more to them than just what's on the surface. It's not just a bunch of killers murdering people. There's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. There's, There's a deeper meaning and lore, if you will, you know, behind August Underground. Um... But I, yeah, highly recommend August Underground. Check it out. Next up, oh, 2003. One of the most infamous movies ever made. You know, this movie is movies like when we cover something like Cannibal Holocaust or Angel's Melancholy or something like that. This is that. Mm-hmm. This is a one of the Mac Daddies of the of the disturbing cinema world. This is. August Underground, Mortem. Also, just because I'm pretty sure Fred mentions it at the very beginning in the interview. If you just needed a way to set the tone of how dis- how disgusting this movie is going to be, it opens with an incest yes. scene. Um, <laughs> so Fred's character is back from the first movie. Yeah. Cameraman is gone. We don't know what happened to him. You get to make that up in your head. Hmm. But now there's this girl and her brother who joined Fred in his atrocities. And they're almost worse than anything that was in the I first one. Worse. Like, they are monsters to the eighth degree, you know what I mean? To the yeah. point where sometimes it seems like Fred <laughs> has difficulty keeping up with the the horrifying nature of these two. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, he's almost like... Yeah, it's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is horrifying for the same guy who did the things in the first movie yeah. to say. This is a movie that when I was a part of the STF community, the Sick Twisted Fuck community, that I've talked about many, many times on YouTube, yeah. this was always the one. <laughs> you know, the one <laughs> to rule them all. 
you know, when Serbian film came out, you know, it briefly kind of took that spot, but I think the more people went back and watched Mordom, they're like, man, <laughs> Mordom is, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it's like shit on film. Like, it's like the, like, physical embodiment of, like, filth. <laughs> it's unrelenting. <laughs> Absolutely vile, disgusting, pushes the boundaries further than they probably should have ever been pushed. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, also a bit of a story. The first time I watched this film, uh, I watched it by myself, and I made the mistake of watching it with headphones on. And immediately, halfway through the movie, I had to pause it and I had to go take a break because <laughs> it's so unrelenting. Like it's there's barely a scene where you can like catch your breath and relax for a minute because as soon as you do, it just gets right back into it, and it's just. Nasty. I remember the first time that I saw it. I just remember the credits rolling and me just being like, and like it took a long time to go back and watch Mordom. Like Mordom's probably my least watched of the three. Oh, of course. For so many reasons. Like one of my biggest complaints with Mordom is I do feel the kill scenes are too long. But right? I feel like that adds to it. Though. It can though. You know what I mean? Like, to me, it is a bit long, but I can see where people are coming from when they're like, well, no, that just makes it better because then it's just drug out. You know what I mean? Um, Man, I mean, vom- real vomiting. Ugh. Real cutting. Yeah, real self-harm. Uh, <laughs> just uh, it's, it's sheer brutality on film. Mutilations, rape, torture, dead babies. Necrophilia pedophilia. (laughs) (laughs) Necropedophilia? Is that that the word for it? Dick mutilation. Just everything you can think of that's horrifying. This is the perfect example of a slack jaw movie. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when you're watching it and you're just like, I can (laughs) not believe this is happening. (laughs) This is definitely a movie... When you're watching it, it's like, I had to get away with this. It's insane. Like, to me, like, August Underground, the first one, is brutal. Right? Y- yeah. And it has almost like a jockey mentality to it. Like, Fred and the other guy, have, they almost feel like jocks at a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, Mortem, to me, like, the best way to describe it is like someone is just screaming in your face for an hour and a half. It's like there's this musical group called Stalog. <laughs> Yeah. It's like if you took that and put it on film. It's like if you just, like, you went to, like, a Pig Destroyer concert where they're playing Prowler in the Yard. And, <laughs> in its entirety? And you went right up to the PA system and stuck your ear directly to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and we just came back from a concert a little... Uh, I think we talked about that. Yeah. And uh, we were up next to the stage, and it's really loud. So I'm talking about you get your ear is touching the speakers. <laughs> um, just a bit of a PSA: do, do not do that. That do that's what August that. Undermortem is. You know what I mean? Because like there's there, like there's no like time of rest. Like even in the down part, like even in the down parts, like yeah. like them going to get tattoos and stuff like that. It's still chaos. Like they're screaming at each other and like f- fighting and. You know, just being insane or just like just running around like madmen. You know, and it, it, it like it makes you antsy when you're watching it because it's too much. <laughs> One of the scariest characters in this film to me is Killjoy's character. Yeah, Killjoy is terrifying in this film because he he's so calm 
a lot of the time, then when it comes down to it, he loses his shit. Mm-hmm. He, he, in a way, flips his lid. Yeah, and then he goes right back to just being, yeah, I guess, a normal dude. Working on papers. It, it's horrifying. <laughs> but, I mean, like, it's just, this movie is such chaos that when the next <laughs> scene flips over, you're like, I don't know if I can handle this. <laughs> The, the first time I, again, the first time I watched it, I didn't know if I was going to be able to. Like, there's just like a little like you know, in, in like Mortem or in the original or Penance, when they're like there's party scenes where they're kind of just hanging out and you know, talking, and you can kind of pick up on a little bit of like character development. Where in this one, it's like Maggot's just smacking Christy in the face as hard as he can, or she's like passing up, and they're just like and like just yeah. smacking her and shit. And it's like, what is going on? Like, this is madness. <laughs> and one of the most, like, shocking, vile endings in movie history. Oh, of course. You know? I mean... That, you know, and you can't talk about Toe Tag without talking about Jeremy Cruz. Oh, man. The prosthetic that he created for that fina- that final scene is out of this world. I mean, you'll you'll hear his name come up a lot during these reviews because he takes these ideas that they have for the films and finds a way to do it. Like anything horrific you can think of, he's managed to pull it off. Mhm. And it's it's mind-boggling how he even does it. And, and it look and how when he does it, it looks so real. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it's crazy how good he is at makeup effects. What is what to you is the most like shocking scene in Mortem? Oh god, I don't even know, man. <laughs> the ending's definitely that hit me really hard and had me thinking for days mm-hmm. afterwards. It's like God dang. <laughs> yeah. I'll give an honorable mention to Killjoy's Kill Farm. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, when he's killing that one girl. The barn. I'm just talking about the when they go into the barn. Yeah. Like, that is some brilliant set design. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it is vile. Like, it's you, like a slaughterhouse for human beings. It's almost like you can smell it when they go in there. <laughs> yeah, like, I just imagine, like, when you smell, like, roadkill or something. Just imagine that, but a million times worse. Mm-hmm. And he has, like, no reaction to it, really. It's like... You know, and like again, you know, kind of talking about how oh, the August Underground movies don't have a plot. Well, there clearly is a plot. There's clearly a power struggle between Maggot and Fred's character. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where again, there's this incestual relationship, <laughs> and Fred, you know, Fred is like pissed off about it. You know, I was listening to the last podcast about Children of God, ironically today. Yeah, <laughs> and I am Ben Kissel when it comes to that. <laughs> 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 but another great thing that kind of just showed like the uh, the hypocrisy of these characters they go into these druggies <laughs> house and they're like oh god they're disgusting you know <laughs> and it's just like uh, excuse me you want to be like my boy <laughs> <laughs> but it is gross I mean it is gross but these people are worse <laughs> I couldn't tell what was worse during that scene with the you know the, the junkies was it the murder that was happening on screen or was it the rotting food on his plate? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell which was more disgusting to me. Yeah, but August Underground Mortem is definitely toe tag pushing the boundaries as far as they'll go. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's having that rubber band and pulling it 
so far back that you're like, it's going to give at any moment. <laughs> yeah. And maybe, you know, like, I don't think, personally, I'm not a believer in, like, you can go too far as long as someone isn't really getting, like, badly hurt. Yeah, unless someone's actually, you know, if someone's life's literally at risk. As long as everybody are consenting adults, it's okay. Yeah. Right? But they, like, they push it to a point where you're like, this might be going too far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but somehow, like, once you learn a few things about it, it's like, oh, okay, they didn't go too far. I mean, especially, like, scenes like the, you know, the throwing up and but, uh, that scene in particular. The the puking scenes, yeah. Yeah, those scenes are very rough. But, again, they all consented to it. It's like with uh, Lucifer Valentine's work. But it's like, you're watching, it's like, they shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, but they're and all... And then you go, and you look at, like, the making ofs and stuff, and it's like, okay. Yeah, they're all... Cons- as long as everybody's a consenting adult, you can't go too far, in my opinion. As long as you ain't actually killing somebody. Even if they consent, you can't kill them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Armin Muse. Yeah, Armin Muse, you Even though you're bitch. in prison, you'll never hear this. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's such an obscure joke. <laughs> I'm sure if you're listening to this, they'll get it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, shit, the first episode we reviewed a movie based on him. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> and uh, if you want to know which movie that was, it was Cannibal. Yeah, starring Marion Dora's Cannibal. Uh, anything else you want to say about Mortem before we move on? Again, like the first, like the first one. Like if you're getting into extreme cinema, uh, again, it's a must-watch. But be prepared for what you're getting yourself into. If you have any, like, triggers, I guess, then don't... Probably you shouldn't watch this movie. Yeah. Because this movie breaks all the taboos. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Finally, 2007, we have my personal favorite of the trilogy, which I think is an, actually an unpopular opinion. I, I like this movie a lot, but... August Underground Penance. Um, and the plot for this one is even more so... There's more plot to this one than any of the other two, in my opinion. Where this is, you know... Now it's just Fred and Christy. Yeah. And you're watching their drug and alcohol and mental abuse d- downward spiral. This is their decline, where the first one is them rising up to... What they would become in Mortem, this is their downfall. That's a good way. way to put it because, like, August Underground's like the build, Mortem's the plateau, <laughs> and then Penance is the downfall. Yeah, you know, so and it's and if you if you could describe how far they fall, Niagara Falls, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and when it, people always kind of talk about like August Underground as being super, super gory. And there is gore in all the yeah. movies, but I would honestly think Penance, like, which was, you know, kind of, you know, I don't know the best way to put it, like, shat upon when it first came out for being the least bl- bl- bloody of them, is probably the goriest, honestly. Yeah, um, the effects in this one are definitely more advanced compared yeah. to the other ones. There's a lot of hiding in August and Underground and Mortem. Yeah. Which to the you know to masterful benefit, <laughs> and uh, in this one they don't cut away from a lot of the mutilation and stuff. The camera doesn't shake as much. Some of the most brutal parts in this movie to me are the hammer strikes of the head. 
mm-hmm. because they use and they show it, and uh, the the hammers are made out of like was it like rubber? Probably rubber, like a foam rubber. Yeah, and they're just beating these guys across the head, and it's absolutely vicious. Yeah, and especially in the like, of course, if you know, it's fake. Of course, it's not going to bother you as bad as if it was real, but it's. It's vicious. Well, you know, it still it still has to hurt. The hammer, you know, we haven't talked about the hammer, which I feel like you know, now is a great time to talk about it. That you brought it up. The hammer is the signature of the August Underground movies. Yes. Um, and the hammer is such a great choice as a weapon because I feel like everybody at least once has smashed their thumb with a hammer <laughs> and know how absolutely bad that hurts. Yeah. So you can relate. You're like, oh my God, I hit my thumb with a hammer once, and that was the most excruciating pain ever. I can only imagine what it felt like for somebody to beat me in the head with it. <laughs> you know? That is very true. So that's brilliant. You know, and anytime you can kind of like, it's something as simple as like having a fingernail ripped off oh, in a God, movie. Why did you, you even have to say that? You know, like everyone's like had like, you know, had something happen to one of their fingernails or toenails, and or something with that eyeball. Ugh. You know, you get, you've got, you, everyone's had something in their eye, so you can relate to these things. Same thing with a hammer. Like you've hit your, like everyone has hit their hand or their thumb or their finger with a hammer and know how absolutely bad it hurts. So you can relate to the beatings. Yeah. <laughs> and again, in this one, I feel like it's shown more. It's more out there. And it's absolutely vicious. Like, at one point, I'm pretty sure it's like shown d- during the, the the collection trailer. Yeah. And it's just Fred smoking a cigarette and just busting this guy over the head. And it's so brutal. Mm-hmm. It's just like, he doesn't give a shit. He has like a bag <laughs> on his head, right? Yeah. Um, Which that's honestly smart when it comes to the effects because you can have like blood like streaming kind of come yeah the gore in this movie I, you know like I said like it's weird that this one got kind of lampooned for not being as brutal or violent when like the dismemberment scenes in this movie are the the closest you've ever gotten to any gore in any of the August Undergrounds because yeah. the other movies they're always just kind of shaking and moving around and going crazy this one the camera just she just zooms right in on it and you see them just saw the person's arm off yeah. you know where, like, in August Underground, he saws the guy's leg off, but it's in a tub. Hmm. Which, you know, both ways are great. Because one oh, leaves more to the imagination. You're kind of like, oh, my God, did I see the dick get cut? Or did it not? You know, and it's like, ah. <laughs> or in this way, the effects are so damn good. You're like, was that an arm? Like, <laughs> you know, like, because they use real guts. Yeah. In this movie. And it just, like, it blurs that line even more between mm-hmm. makeup and reality. And there's one point where they slice open uh, the stomach and they puncture something. Like a gas thing. Yeah, and like Fred's character is like about to throw up at that. Yeah. And it's like, of all the things you've done. (laughs) (laughs) Fred throws up a lot. He does. I find (laughs) in these movies. (laughs) Um, No, not the second one. Yeah, never mind. The the Killjoy scene. Yeah. I forgot about that. But to me, what makes this movie so good is the characters, the two characters, watching them just, just fall apart. Also, in all of these movies of come the they go to concerts. They do. The first one was the Corn Cover Band. Mm-hmm. The second one was a band. I'm not sure. Just some band. And this one, it's the Murder Junkies. It is Murder Junkies. It's uh, is, Merle Allen. Yeah. G.G. Allen's brother's band. Which is crazy. Yeah, it's to just me. fun to see. Like, oh, hey, there's Merle Allen. <laughs> it's 
Yeah, uh, like I forgot they were in the this movie, and then I just was like, "Oh, hey!" <laughs> you know, I do think maybe part of it is like, "Oh, you know, we go, we went to concerts and the other ones," but it's just another relatable part. Everyone, we've all gone to, oh, we yeah, all go to concerts, you know. So it's something, and it's another thing. Like, man, like I can relate to them almost with this. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this is like, I think they're monsters, but then they do things I do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they go to concerts and they go hang out with their friends, and you know. Which they have a pet alligator or yeah. crocodile hot. I, the lion I'm, scene. Yeah. Like that, like, I think the first time I ever kind of realized, like, how scary a lion was, was this movie. Because, like, you can, like, feel the thing, like, <laughs> like it's, like, rumbling yeah. in your chest. You're like, good lord. I think it could destroy me. <laughs> oh, good lord. It could kill me in seconds. <laughs> but, like, there's a scene in this movie that kind of sums up why I love this movie so much. It's this guy, he's laying the floor. Um, he's almost dead. He's not dead yet. He has nails all in him. Oh. And uh, Fred like goes up and he like grabs his mouth and he like makes it move and he's like, oh, I don't like myself and oh, I don't yeah. feel good. And he's like, <laughs> Well, I don't like myself either and I don't feel good. You know, yeah, it's one of my favorite lines in the entire. It's just trilogy. brilliant, right? Like it's so good. It really like sets up this movie perfectly. It's like these people are just like they're driving themselves to their brink. Yeah. They're they're driving themselves to their breaking point. One of the big plot devices in this film that people will miss out on if they just be like, oh, it's just snuff smut, right? Yeah. You know, is the fact that Fred can't get a hard on. Yeah. He's so drugged out that he can't even do that. Mm. And it's driving him crazy. Yeah, he's losing it. Mm. And the, the entire Christmas scene is absolutely vicious. The Christmas scene, honestly, without being as you know, visceral and bloody and disgusting as mortem is just as disturbing as anything in mortem. Oh, yeah. Like, it's frightening. And just the simple just knock on the door, like, who are you? Whap, you know? Yeah, and it makes you fear answering the, the damn door. And then to open the presents oh. on the dead bodies, you know what I mean? Yeah, while the... Oh, wait, the, the, yeah, the, never mind. The, the, that would have been a big... I guess not a big spoiler, but... What? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I mean, yeah, you can assume that everyone's dead. Touche. <laughs> the, the kid. Yeah. Like, I forgot the kid was already dead. Yeah. You know, just, it's one of the biggest, like, gut punches in any of the three films, honestly. It's like, you, you watch this, like, oh, Penance, assholes. Penance has just as many, like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. But they just don't come as frequent as Mortem. Yeah, this one gives you a little more... Time to breathe. Yeah, and there's compared. not as sustained as Mortem. Just because I feel like this one is more about the characters than it is about the murders. In in this film, what scene do you think was the hardest to watch? Is the Christmas scene. I think besides that, it's when Fred is uh, jerking off. Yeah. And he just wipes it all over. It, it, that was gross. There's another great scene, too, that's very disturbing. Is Christie's like, she's in the in their room, like, just like, crying her eye like like just bawling you know yeah and fred like is trying to comfort her and like he don't think he knows what to do is like he starts raping her yeah and he's like stop crying you know it's it's <laughs> disturbing like it's it's disturbing to see like how far these people like how much pieces of shit they really are you know yeah like, and then the ending which what we won't spoil to me is always like that's the perfect cap to the august under yeah that kind of i take it you know in one way where i feel like you know, it's subtle and stuff, but I feel like at the end of it, it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I I absolutely love August Underground Penance. It's my favorite of the three by far. 
I think my favorite is still Mortem. Like after rewatching them, because it's just how intense that film is. It's definitely oh, yeah. Mortem is like by far like the most insane. The best, one of the most insane movies you'll ever watch. Like it's insane how brutal and crazy and over the, the best, top it is. The best way I can describe that film is a death metal album brought out into film form. I feel like it's more like like I think it's like Prowler. You know, <laughs> it's like to me Prowler is like the musical equivalent of Mortem. <laughs> it's chaos from beginning to end, and. I guess, I don't know what it is about it. I just enjoy the the chaos. At the same time, I don't enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I always loved Penance, you know, and it could have something to do with it was my first. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, when I was watching it, man, I was just so into, like, the story of these two people. These two horrible, horrible monsters as they just devolve into just balls of flesh. <laughs> balls of flesh. You know, just watching them just decay. And you get me think about that lion scene again. No, the lion scene? Yeah. It's great. It is great. And I, I guess I kind of forgot, because it's been a while since I've been to like the zoo or something like that. I forgot how big damn lions are. And that's what's so good about, <laughs> like, you know, like the other ones, you get these little, like, scenes and then back to the violence, right? Yeah. Well, with Penance, yeah, it's back to the violence, but it's also back to, like, oh, we're so happy, we're happy. Ugh. We don't feel good now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're junkies now. Mm-hmm. They're hooked on smack and... Shit, you know, they are the people they disliked in the original August Underground, yeah, which is, I mean, uh, Mortem, Immortem. I had a mouthful of water. I could swallow that before I uh, attempted before, to say <laughs> that. <laughs> before you decided to speak words. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anything else you want to say about penance before we wrap it up? Um, I mean, as with the other, I mean, when it comes to disturbing cinema. If you haven't seen these three, then do yourself a favor. Yeah. I mean, that goes with all of all the All three have films. just gut-destroying moments. <laughs> all three have fantastic makeup effects. Yes. You know, some of the best in underground cinema you're ever going to get. You know, no bullshit with these. They're brilliantly done. You know, Toe Tag is the masters of, like, in-camera trickery. Mm. Them and Marcus Cook. <laughs> Marcus Cook. You know, so you got three films that feature fantastic effects, just some of the most disturbing shit you'll ever oh, see, yeah. and super interesting characters. You just have to get into the fact that you're going to watch it and have to fill in some of the holes yourself, yeah. you know. It, they're, they're movies you have to think about. Yeah, which I don't think people think that. I think most people just think they're just these like disgusting films that you just watch and you that's it. I mean, in the interview earlier, Fred says with all his movie, with all his movies, especially these, that after you're done, he wants you to think about them for the next few days mm-hmm. and just, you know, trying to put your own thoughts and opinions. Great example of that is like, what is Killjoy and Fred talking about at the tattoo parlor when they're almost fighting with each other? Yeah. But then they go to his house. What are they talking about there? Like, what is that? Yeah. It, it, and... I don't think it's just some random thing. I think it has something to, like if you can just figure it out, that's a piece of the puzzle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, it makes you wonder what happened to the camera guy in the first one. What happened to Maggot in the second one? Yep. And the stuff with uh, the third one as well. It makes you think. It makes you you know fill the holes together. Mm. And 
Because the thing with these movies, don't I don't want people to go into them thinking they're just, you know, disturbing for disturbing sake. They do have their plots, and they do have yep. their meanings. You just have to dig for it. Yeah, you have to look. And into ultimately, it. what is the August Underground trilogy? But Fred's way of showing how horrible someone can be. Yeah, showing that serial killers are awful, and at the same time, how they're just as human as us. Yeah, <laughs> humanizing the most vicious people in the world, you know. Mm. But uh, yeah, I highly recommend the August Underground trilogy. I mean, I recommend it's them. not for everybody. Oh, of course. But if you're listening to this podcast, you probably need to check it out. <laughs> you know, if you've and never seen it and you're listening to this, then you got to go check it out. I mean, honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably at least seen one, one of them. Yeah, probably. If not all three, like we have. Yeah. You know, yeah. and hopefully maybe someone who wasn't a fan of the August Underground trilogy can hear us talk about it and, you know, maybe take something away and be like, maybe there's more to this than I thought there was. Let me try it again, you know? Yeah. So, but at the end of the day, they are, <laughs> they're nasty. Yeah. They're not the the uh, the ninth configuration. These are not. <laughs> oh, that was, yeah, yeah, which movie we watched, which was awesome. Yeah, that movie's fantastic. But not like, but there's a lot of feel good moments in that movie. Not this one. Not these. No. <laughs> not a lot of feel good moments in these movies. But top notch effects, interesting characters, and some of the most vile scenes ever put to film. <laughs> and just proves how much of a. He, uh, independent film mastermind that Fred really is. Yep. So, that's gonna be it for the August Underground films. Part one. Damn. Is coming to a close. So, Damn. before we jump to the next thing, let's get all of our wrap-ups out of the way. Next week, we will have part two of the Fred Vogel special, which will feature Redson Tower, Murder Collection Volume 1, Maskhead and Celetarsica. Yes. As well as the rest of the Fred Vogel interview. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can send them to us at sickoncinema at gmail.com. You can follow us on all of our social medias. Sick on Cinema, just look it up, you'll find it. Yeah, you follow us on Twitter, please. Yes. Smack a like button. I don't know if there's a like button. I don't think there is a like button. Uh, Rate us and review us on iTunes, that always helps. Uh, go give Rain Architect a follow on all the platforms because he's the man behind our theme song. And also, something else to do is if you enjoyed hearing us talk about you know all of these films and stuff, and they seem appealing to you, go to Totag and if they're available right yes. now, go get these films. And also, uh, if you enjoyed this, send a message to Jason and Fred and say, "Hey, we really enjoyed you on Sick on Cinema." Yeah, you know, just you know, tell them that you liked them as well because that's that's good. It's always nice to spread the love. So now, as we close out this episode, you get to hear from Jason Schneeberger, the man behind the Sick on Cinema theme song, Rain Architect, who's dropped two dank-ass albums this year. <laughs> dank-ass albums. <laughs> Not this year, it was last year. Oh. He's dropping one this, this year. This year, yeah, yeah, that's right. Two dank-ass albums last year, <laughs> and a dank-ass album this year. And he was also... One of the stars of Murder Collection Volume 1, and he will talk all about that. But for us, I am John. I am Matt. And you've been listening to the podcast dedicated to the dark side of film, Sick on Cinema, and please enjoy the interview with Jason Schneeberger. And one of the reasons we had you on this episode in particular is because you've had like a a fairly like 
close relationship with Mr. Fred Vogel for a while now. And it yeah. went and it went yeah. from like fan interaction to actually being in his movies to being on set with him and to being just friends. So it's kind of a cool like I guess trajectory, if you will. Yeah, man, and uh you know, it kinda seems like there's a lot of people uh that kinda have that same story that I have, you know, just because the Vogels are just very people oriented, you know. I mean they're just they're very they're they're you know just so kind with people, you know, fans mm-hmm. like genuine too, man. I mean, a lot of times you meet people at conventions and stuff like this, you know, and they, you know, they're putting on a happy face. You know, it's understandable for some people, but man, the, the Vogels are just genuinely uh, friendly people, man, and really cool. And yeah, definitely, I started out as a fan, and um, and just you know, over time. Uh, become good friends with them, and then yeah, I was asked to be in murder collections, floored by that, and it's just you know kept going from there, man. You know, me and Fred. I mean, we don't we, you know, he's busy, I'm busy. We don't talk all the time, but you know, we still do talk, and you know, quite a bit. I don't see him as much as I used to. Don't do conventions like I used to, but they haven't been recently either. But um, yeah, man, just great people all around. Maybe trying to talk about like. Where was the first time you heard of Fred Vogel and more than likely the August Underground movies? And the first time you saw him, what was your reaction to him? Yeah, okay. Yeah, the, the first, it actually was August Underground. It wasn't too long before the very first Tour Around Weekend, which happened here in Indianapolis in 2000, July of 2007, which was actually the very first convention I ever went to. Heard Toe Tag was going to be there. And uh, me and my friend uh, Crazy J, which is also in Murder Collection, we were just like, oh, my God, you know, we have to, like, it was seriously our goal was to go to their table first and buy the August Underground trilogy just because we heard so much. So we get there, and at that particular show, um, Jeremy and Christy was only here. Shelby and Fred was not here at that show, so we bought the movies that night we watched August Underground and was just like, oh my God, what did we get ourselves into? But in a good way, you yeah. know what I mean? It was just yeah. like, wow. I mean, at, at that period, you know, I was really into a lot of the extreme stuff and man, it just really floored me, you know? And then um, I just couldn't believe it. it. It just, I thought it was excellent. You know, I'd never seen anything like that. And um, yeah, that, that was my first experience with that. It was... Uh, Pretty wild and memorable. <laughs> Just as a quick fan question, which of the three August Underground films is your favorite? Because I find this is fun to ask because everyone seems to have like a different ideal about it. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's definitely August Underground. I mean, um, I like all three, you know, and despite, you know, being the same very much type of movie, they are very distinct also, you know, I mean, think everyone would agree that mortem is the most extreme out of the three and you know but yeah i mean august underground to me is, has always been my favorite one and i don't know if it's just because of that first experience you know kind of carrying that on or not but i don't know i guess just it being you know so fresh and new and original you know and just i, I don't know man and I, I just i think uh up until cell tersica that was my favorite toe tag movie but I, I would say Sol Tersica is my favorite toe tag movie as of now I know that's kind of off topic but yeah 
August Underground for sure out of that trilogy, the original film, would be my favorite. When was the first time you met Fred Vogel? Because I find that like a lot of like myself. I didn't really have the experience because I'd always heard how nice of a guy he was, but you hear a lot of people like almost uh, intimidated by him just because of his roles in those movies. But when you meet him, he's like the nicest guy oh, in the yeah. world. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, you know, back then they were doing Horror Hound like crazy. They did like four within like a little more than a year's time. So we had that one in July, and the next one was in November. And at that show, Fred and Shelby were actually here. And uh, I knew they were coming, you know, I was all excited and just like, oh, my God, you know, and it exactly was that. Like, you know, you see him in these movies and you're like, man, what's this guy going to be like in person? You know, I, you just you don't know, you know, and I remember as we were walking in, they were actually coming in to set up their table. And um, I'd seen Jeremy first and he said, yeah, Fred's here, you know, and then I turn around right there's Fred. And, hey, Fred Vogel and shakes my hand and he goes ahead and walks in because they had all this stuff and. But, yeah, I can, I can distinctly remember the very first time I met Fred. You know, it was right then, right at the entrance to Horror Hound. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, I was just, I was really taken back by how welcoming he was, you know. And just, like again, just very genuine. I mean, you, you can you can tell bullshit artists are a mile away, you know, at, at conventions especially, you know, with people just playing it up. But just a very genuine guy, you know, I was taken by that right away. So how did you get the role in Murder Collection? Okay, um, it would have been, um, I'm actually, I'm pretty good at remembering, like, mm. months and years and stuff some, sometimes, but uh, January of 2009, uh, I got an email, I actually was back through MySpace back in those days. Fred sent me a message and said, hey man, you know, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. I'm working on a new movie and I have a role for you. Can you give me your number? And I was like, I mean, I, I sat there and I was like, are you kidding me? Because like at this point, you know, I, I had met him or hung out with him at conventions maybe three or four times, you know, not, not very much. And it was just all just random ones here, but actually hanging out with him outside of the actual convention room. It only happened one time up to this point, you know? So I'm just like, what? kidding me you know mm -hmm. so he calls me and he tells me you know what's going on with the film and everything and that he also wants my friend crazy jay in it and i'm just like oh my god you know this this is insane and and he explains to me what the role is and everything and i'm like dude this this is nuts because uh at that time me and my ex-wife were going through a very uh bitter divorce and, um, you know, well, it definitely wasn't the same circumstances as what happens in the film, but, you know, it, it's just crazy that it's a relationship thing and an anger, you know, with that relationship. And then, you know, I'm kind of going through that in my life, you know, so I'm thinking like, man, this, this could be an amazing outlet for me, you know? So, you know, it, it just, it, everything just clicked, just worked you know, as far as, um, the timing and everything, you know, we were able to set it up. He told me in January and, uh, crazy and I drove to Pittsburgh for a long weekend at the end of February. And we shot both of our parts over a four day weekend in, uh, February, 2009. And, uh, yeah, man, it was, it, it was an experience for sure. 
they pretty blown away to get asked to be in one of the movies, you know, after, you know, being such a fan at that point, you know, and seeing everything they'd had out at that time period up to then and then being asked to be in one, you know, it was just total mind blowing moment. <laughs> right. What what was your initial reaction when Frank and I told you the ideal of Murder Collection? Because I find that even more so now than ever, like it's such a relevant movie. Like shock videos are bigger now than they've ever been. So, you know, what was your initial? Yeah. I like when you told you the ideal of it. What was what did you think about it? I, I was excited for it, man, because you know he he said how there would be it wouldn't be just him. There would be different people directing different segments. And I know at that time period, there was definitely uh, the plan to do more than just the one movie. It's pretty obvious, too, with the volume one. Um, there was ideas to do more of these and have more people, filmmakers and everything involved. I'm not sure, you know, exactly all what, what went down with not doing that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was just excited, you know, to be a part of such a collaborative effort you know and um i thought it was really cool you know it, it it right away in my mind i thought faces of death you know which is a lot of people have thought and um but it's still you know i don't know man it, it, it was just it's it was just such a fun thing to do you know and it just uh fred's very collaborative you know he'll have an idea for what he wants and he definitely has a direct vision that he wants but he's also very open to you putting in ideas you know and if it's something he thinks is work he will go with that you know i mean a lot of i know i've heard a lot of directors just being very hard line you know and fred is definitely one that's like okay what do you got you know oh yeah you know i like that idea whatever you know i've seen that with him and i experienced that with him and uh i just kind of got that feeling right from the get-go when he was explaining this, you know, how this whole project was going to be. I'm like, man, you know, this this is going to be an opportunity for a lot of people, you mm -hmm. know, and that's exactly what it turned out to be. You know, for those who haven't seen the scene, you know, basically it's you sitting in front of a camera delivering like a monologue while in the background something has happened, you know, I don't want to spoil it, I'd rather people go watch it. You know, how was the setup for that? Because it's such an interesting take and were you nervous like was this the first time you've ever like acted in that kind of way you know was that did, was it hard to remember yeah. all that yeah i mean you know I, i've messed around with doing shit on video camera since i was a kid you know so i'm pretty i can be pretty comfortable in front of a camera but doing something that's going to be put out as an official release for the whole world to see you know is quite different yeah <laughs> so you know i i hadn't seen a script i knew what the part was going to be i knew what the scene was going to entail um i knew it was going to have full-on nudity with the two other actors and i knew all this stuff going into it but i had not seen a script and fred did tell me there would be quite a lot you know of dialogue in this in my scene so i get there and he gives it to me and um you know, I was just so focused, man, and just extremely determined to to live up to this because I know, you know, I knew that I had a responsibility to do something as good as I possibly could to honor what Totag had done before this. You know, I, I I felt like I understood that responsibility, so I was very focused on doing as good as I could with this. So. I looked over the script for the first night there. We got there on a Friday and Saturday. No, I, I think no, we got there on a Thursday, Friday night. 
we filmed part of my scene Saturday night. We filmed the second part and how it was set up is it was set up. Toe tag at that time had a warehouse and they filmed a lot of this, a big majority of this uh, murder collection in that warehouse. And also mask head was filmed there as well. A lot of mask head at least. And, uh, they had an office set up and basically he had a door and it had a window in it and he put, I think it was cardboard strips or something on it, so that way it would look like slats of light coming through into my face, so I would look like I was in a barn, because the whole idea is I am out in a barn or a shed away from the house, and I have a camera set up in the bedroom into the, onto the TV in the barn, and I'm watching my wife cheat. So, you know, he, he told me, he wanted me to sit there for a while and look up into the camera and just stare at it for a while before I started talking. And that's one thing he said he didn't, he was disappointed. Well, I don't know if disappointed is the right word. I'm not sure, but I, he, he wished I would have looked into the camera longer than I did. But you know, when you're, when you're doing that, you're thinking, man, am I taking too long here? You know, so I just kind of went for it. And so basically the stuff that you see, um, with me sitting there filming it or where I'm sitting there talking was filmed on the first night. And um, I'm trying to think exactly how this went. And then, no, actually, the bedroom stuff it's on the TV was filmed the first night. So that day, I, I isolated myself from everybody. I had that prop axe, and I literally, all day long, I stayed away from everybody and just thought about how I wanted to play out this scene, and I was trying to get myself in the frame of mind of this character. And... Um, you know, one point, one thing that really stands out to me is we're getting close to filming. Um, Fred comes up to me and just grabs me on the shoulders and looks me right in the eye. And he's like, you're a madman! You know, just like, you know, try and, you know, pump me up even more. So, uh, yeah, the bedroom scene was actually set up in a part of the warehouse, too. And if you listen to that scene, you actually hear a little bit of the echo of the room because it was just just big, huge, open room with a bedroom that bed set up in a corner made to look like a bedroom, but it actually was not a bedroom. So we filmed that the first night. My scene actually almost, this whole entire scene actually almost got cut out. The prop axe actually broke when I hit Lexi, which was the beautiful actress in the scene. When I hit her in the back, I actually broke the dowel rod in the axe and it got real rubbery looking, but they were able to freeze frame it so you couldn't see that so that uh, luckily that they were able to salvage that because the whole entire scene almost got cut out of the movie because of that (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah we filmed that the first night and then the second night we uh i i had to actually live act with what was going on on the tv so i have all this dialogue that i have to say and i have to time it to what's going on on the tv we didn't know rehearsals for this whatsoever we went with it i flubbed the dialogue on the very last scene so we had to do or the very last uh, part where i say you know she always said her heart belonged to me i'm going to make sure it does i said it backwards so we had to stop do the whole thing over but we only did it in two takes it would have been one take if it wasn't for that so basically i have a clean white shirt on i'm acting to the tv when i get up and walk away Jeremy is over there flipping blood on me. Uh, or no, actually, 
no, the shirt that we had from the night before I put on at that point, Jeremy flicks blood all over my face. So basically I'm just standing there off camera and we're watching what's going on on TV. So I'm just acting to the TV at that point. So, uh, yeah, two, two days, um, really quickly done and it just worked, man. Like I said, I, I had a lot of raw emotion to throw into that scene and, um, I don't know. I hear all the time how real and authentic it, it seemed. I, I heard that very frequently. And for me, it definitely was, man. I, I poured a lot of very real, raw emotion into that. That if I wouldn't have been going through that at, at that time, it might not have turned out the way it did. You know, I don't know. I can never say. Right. Was it? Was there ever a point where, like, because it's a very, very intense scene. Was there ever a time where, like, maybe something like felt, you know, very uncomfortable, or was, uh, or did Fred do a good job of always keeping everybody in the moment? Yeah, he he did. Um, yeah, everybody, you know, uh, Lexi, I remember, and damn, I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, they were a real couple at the time that had answered an ad that Fred had put out. You know, said they were filming, and, and they both, neither one had a problem with full on nudity and all that super cool people um i think i may have briefly met them before we did our scene but again i was trying to just keep myself in a killer frame of mind so i might have just said hey you know and that afterwards was different that's of course the after party but uh yeah you know i mean there was very few people in there uh when we shot that for obvious reasons you know full-on nudity and everything i know me fred um rob lucas uh, which is um, another filmmaker. He was in there because he was doing the camera at that time. Jeremy was right off of camera because when I'm actually got her down on the ground, supposed to be cutting her heart out, I'm just looking at this naked chick laying there and she's staring up at me. And I'm, <laughs> you can't see her in there, but that's what it was. She's laying on the floor, literally just looking up at me. And I've got a real knife above her chest acting like I'm cutting her heart. The fake pig heart is in a bowl to my right, Jeremy's right off camera flicking blood all over my face and everything to get it on me. I mean, it was all very live, done in the moment, you know, right on camera, you know, you know, no tricks involved, you know, it was a very timing thing, you know, but yeah, I mean, everybody was very comfortable and, you know, I got to say like with my dialogue, there are parts of it that I kind of made my own too, and that goes back again to the collaborative thing. You know, Fred was very open to that. I, I kept definitely all the bullet points, but I also added in just some of my own, you know, just natural talking, how I would say it too, you know, um, which was awesome. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, I, there was nothing really in my scene that I would say was uncomfortable, you know. I mean, because on my end, everything was fine, you know. Um, again, I knew... I would have to go there, as they say, you know, for toe tag. So I was already in a frame of mind. Let's fucking do whatever we got to do, man, to make this kick ass, you know. Like, how hard is it to, to take, you know, a, your normal state of mind and turn it into the stuff that Fred puts out? Like, this, like, un... Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. Like, just true aggression that you show in that scene. Like... How hard is it to, to do something like that? 
Well, I mean, again, for me, it wasn't very hard, man, um, just because of what I had going on at that time. And, uh, you know, that time period I had, this is something I don't think I've ever mentioned anywhere, even in the live commentary I did before, but I had a bunch of old text in my phone. Well, they weren't old at that time, but text in my phone of me and my ex-wife going back and forth, very, very nasty stuff. And I remember when, as me and Crazy were going there, we took turns driving, and as he was driving, I would sit there and look at those texts, purposely letting all of that anger into myself to feed out of this role. I mean, that was seriously what I was thinking. You know, it was like, man, all of this, even though it's not, you know, like, again, like different circumstances, but it, it's that anger relationship thing to break up. You know what I mean? Like, it, there was a lot of parallels there to what I was going to have to do in this. So I just figured to put all into it. And, and again, it, it wasn't very hard for me, man, just because of those circumstances. And again, though, you know, if, if I wasn't going through that at the time, I don't know how the scene would have been. Like, I still feel like I could have went there just because of, uh, you know, wanting to honor what Toe Tag had done and knew, you know, the lengths that the actors in their films would have to go to to really pull it off. But, you know, that authenticity might not have been there. Because again, it was very real for me, you know. When you, what was your reaction when you first got to see this scene like all together? Because you're talking about the real emotion, and it was it almost like a catharsis, like like a like a weight lifted off your shoulders a little bit. Man, it was. I mean, that that's something I always said back then when I talked about it, and um, and, and it's still this day. I mean, whenever I look at it, you know, I, I have to thank Fred. You know, and I should pay him as my therapist because that time period and what I was going through and what was going on in my life, I mean, it was completely cathartic for me. That that was therapy for me. Like, I, I really, truly felt like I had a huge weight lifted off my shoulders after I did that because I just had all this anger and, and just terrible emotions going through me, man, that I just, I just blew it all out in that scene, man. It was just like again just the perfect timing for everything in my life to be offered that to make it work and um it was just you know when because fred won't let you watch your own scene playback like i could see playback of crazy scene and some other people's stuff that was being done around that time we were there but he would not let me watch any playback of my own he would not let crazy watch any playback of his own. I'm not sure exactly why that's just his thing. So I had seen none of my footage other than what I was acting to on the screen from the previous night. <laughs> so the first time I saw it was actually with a crowd at cinema wasteland. Fred did a, a viewing, um, in, in their room back the old, the old toe tag way of, uh, premiering a movie in their hotel room. And that was actually the first time I saw it was with the crowd. And I was just so honored and thrilled, man, at the at the end project of how everything came out, man. It was just, I couldn't believe that I was a part of something like this, you know, especially somebody that's so highly regarded in the horror underground as, as Toe Tag. To be a part of their film immortalized that way, it was still, it's still amazing to this day, you know, something I'll never forget. Were you uh were you on set for Crazy Jay Singh? Because to me that's like like as, like 
seeing it from a filmmaker standpoint, that had to be one of the hardest ones to film because, like, they travel so far out into the woods, and you can't be with them or you'd hear yeah. their footsteps as well. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, I was right there watching the whole thing be filmed, believe it or not. Crazy scenario, man. Uh, that morning, uh, all the actors got together. I used to have pictures of all this, too, man. I don't have them anymore, but... Um, I just sat there on a the couch and watched, and basically what they did is Fred and the actors mapped out the scene in Fred's office and figured out how they were going to do this. Fred had the flu really bad the whole time we were there, man. He was really sick. <laughs> but we go out to this park, and, I mean, it was cold as shit, man. It was like maybe 20 degrees, maybe 20. I don't even know if it was that warm. But we go out there, Fred gives him the camera, go. Me, Fred, and Shelby go up on a hill. We're way up on top of this hill. So these guys are like down in the valley of this hill. And we're standing up on this hill watching the entire thing be filmed. And that entire whole segment was done in one take. Everything, one take. That is impressive. (laughs) One take, one take, no, I mean... I don't even think there was any edits in that, like, at all. Like, I'm pretty sure that's just the raw footage in there. And that's, that's it. Like, I mean, it was just so natural. I mean, I, to me, that is the, the shining moment of that entire movie, man, is that, yeah. that entire scene and how everything was. It's just, it's incredible. But yeah, one take, man. They practiced it for, like, they, they laid it out for like a couple, maybe two hours, maybe not even that long. I don't know. And they talked it over, figured out what was going to say. They kind of had their bullet points to go by. Um, yeah, man, one take—that was it. It's impressive too, because it's like, you know, when I watched first Watch Murder Collection, I was like, man, that was awesome. And like, you know, I think at the time, you know, some shock videos had hit the internet and stuff like that. But it seems like that film gets better with age because, you know, the deep web movement that happened there for a while, where people were talking about, you know, shocking videos on the deep web, and then like the bullying segment, yeah. like bullying is more in the thing now. Like Fred seems to have a knack for like almost being way ahead of his time as far as, like, the themes of his films. Yeah, like seeing what's coming next. Like, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, definitely has, you know, created these waves, you know, whether, I think he's definitely had a part in creating, but, yeah, yeah. again, like having that that knowledge, that foreknowledge of seeing what's coming or, you know, what's about ready to happen. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that, man, for sure. And uh, definitely, I I agree, though, man, Murder Collection definitely has a... uh, it's it's a unique film. You know, you can say it's like this, like that, but it definitely stands on its own as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Did you get, like, after the film was done, did you get recognized at conventions and stuff like that off your role? A little bit, man. Yeah, Cinema Wasteland was the one where, um, you know, of course, that, that day, you know, like, nobody knew that I was in the film other than people I really knew, because there was a bunch of people when they showed this the first time, I had no clue where they were, man, like, when it was over, you know, you see all these eyes on you, like, oh my god, there's that guy that was the killer in the movie, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, some people come up to me then, but then, yeah, man, I mean, just keep going, you know, because I I haven't been to Wasteland in a while, but I still consider myself a Wasteland regular. Um, But every time I go to Wasteland, there was always people you know, that would come up to me and say something, or Fred would be like, hey, such and such, here's Jason, I was in the movie, and 
I mean, it's just so weird, man, because, like, a few times, a couple of these kids, man, have been, like, completely starstruck, man. Like, you, you could just see it in their eyes, like, oh, my God, like, like how I would look when I met George Romero or Carpenter, you know? Like, I mean, these kids are looking at me like I was some star, man. It's just, it's weird to experience that I mean for me at least just because I don't expect anything like that you know it's just mm. I, I have had that starstruck thing happen a few times um but yeah man I mean I've had people ask for autographs I've had people ask for pictures it's always been sent them away so no, nothing outside of that like I don't think I've ever been really noticed at any other shows outside of Wasteland maybe like people at at Kotag booth have oh you're in murder collection but Wasteland's the show where I would get noticed, you know, and people say stuff that, you know, people that I didn't know, you know, people I know, of course, would always say stuff, but people I didn't know, strangers coming up to me, that, yeah, it, it's happened, and it's, uh, I don't know, man, it's flattering, you know. I, I have an interesting side story to kind of jump off on that for a second. Uh, the first, fri- maybe the first or second Fright Night Film Festival we ever went to, me and my sister were walking down the hallway, and we see a guy walk by in a murder collection shirt, and lo and behold, it was you, but this is before we had started talking on YouTube. And the whole, yeah, the whole, I remember this, because the whole weekend, me and Amanda were like, do we go up and talk to him? And we just never did. I don't know. We were always too nervous. <laughs> and then, like, a few years later, we started talking on oh, YouTube. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's really awesome. <laughs> Yeah, because I wasn't at the uh, show Carpenter was at where me and you actually talked. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, because I remember, wasn't the guy from Maniac Cop there, too? I don't remember that. I think he was at that same show. Yeah, but I think, yeah, yeah, I'll be damned. Wow, yeah, I never knew that. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense because I, I, back in those days, I was wearing that murder collection shirt. It's funny you mention that because... I was going through some of my old shirts just last night, and I and I found that shirt, and I hadn't seen it in forever. I was like, man, I still got that murder collection shirt. <laughs> but I know you and a, f- a few other YouTubers have been in movies before, like uh, Mr. Parker, for example. Have you uh, thought about oh, yeah. joining other projects and films in recent times? Have I done anything? Have you thought about doing more acting? Oh, yeah, I mean, I would. You know, it's just, um, I, I just haven't had the, the opportunity given to me or asked. I mean, there's been a few things that's almost happened. Uh, Jason Hoover from Jab Pictures, um, he, was, he worked on something at one point. And I was going to be a part of that, but that that whole project, I don't think ever seen the light of day. Um, me and Crazy's talked about doing some stuff. Uh, he hasn't really worked on anything in a while, but um, you know, I, I'll probably do some score stuff for him if he does something again, and uh, you know, acting maybe do some acting for him. But I mean, the only other thing I've really done is um, Keith Voigt Jr. Um, he did the uh, Lust and, um, damn, what was it, uh, Army Yeah. short films. Uh, I did the entire score for Lust, and Army has, like, one or two songs he used of mine on there. But I actually didn't even score that. That, that was just stuff I'd wrote, and he has to use it. He used it in there and actually worked. But, 
Yeah, I mean, I've done that little bit of score stuff. But, yeah, acting, man, murder collection is the only thing I've done, um, you know, that's, like, professionally released, you know, other than just horsing around doing shit, you know, on my own or whatever with other people. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would definitely do, you know, something else if the opportunity came up and I was able to do it, you know. Work a lot, family man, all that stuff. So you know that that's always a thing. Um, Fred did want to have me in the final interview. Um, there, there's some prisoners that's used in that, and he wanted me to come in and be one of the prison inmates. And it just didn't, it didn't work out. I couldn't, I couldn't get off to do it, unfortunately. And it was like really quick. Um, he called me in the middle of the week and I would have had to have been there in like two days. And like at my job, that's like really hard to pull off that quick. So that didn't work out. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man, you know, if something will come up down the road again with toe tag or, or not, or with anybody else, man, but yeah, I'm game. So anybody out there, hears this. You want me in your picture? Give me a call. There you go. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> You were on set with, for Cella uh, Tersica. What what was you kind of doing there? Or was you just there visiting? Or was you working on the movie? And what was that experience yeah, like? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, they were filming that in Ohio. And um, at that time, I was writing for Horror Hound magazine sporadically. I think I'd, I think I've done five or six articles, something like that with them. But at that time period, you know, I was still kind of in that pipeline. So Fred had me come up. And going to have me do like an on-set thing and hopefully get it in the horror hound. Well, none of that ended up happening, but that's how I ended up on set. I think he would have just had me up anyway, you know, kind of deal. But, you know, being a friend and, hey, you're a horror hound, hey, come up here, you know. Mm-hmm. So I drove up to Ohio for a weekend, man, and they were like right in the middle of filming it. They filmed it for a couple weeks, and um, they were right at the tail end of their first week. And they weren't. They hadn't even got into the gore stuff. All the gore stuff was coming up the second week, so I unfortunately missed all the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you're going to be on the set of a Fred Vogel film, you're going to you're going to be a part of it one way or another. So basically, I did um, a little PA work, production assistant. So uh, the part in that film where Jade is dropping pedals onto the floor and dancing in the living room. I don't know how much of the movie you can remember right offhand, but there's a scene where she's dancing in the living room and she's dropping these uh, rose petals on the floor. I was right there for that. Um, I was a a scene there for when Damien comes in and he's painted up one point, like, you know, all pale looking. Uh, I think there was a couple, two or three scenes that were filmed in the one day that I was, you know, really there on set. But basically what they would do is they were giving me um, a walkie-talkie. And, you know, I was I was helping being in charge to get the whole house quiet because everybody was staying in this house as it was filmed. So, you know, you know, it'd be like, you know, basically like The Miz, quiet on set, quiet on set, can we clean that up? But really it kind of was like that because it'd be like, okay, guys, quiet on quiet, please, we're rolling, you know. Mm. So, and I actually got, I never expected, and I didn't even know I was going to get a credit on that until the movie came out. Lo and behold, my name's there in the credits under production assist. I'm like, holy shit, man. I, mean, I was only there for a day, but that's cool, you know? Right. <laughs> well, I was there for a couple of actual filming for one day, so. But yeah, it was neat to be a part of that, too, because uh, that's an awesome movie, you know? Yeah. I, it's honestly like it's weird because I think it is Toe Tag and Fred's best movie, but it's probably my least watched one just because I think it's like 
it's a different kind of disturbing than his other ones. Like the other ones are more visceral. This one's way more emotional. Like it's almost like a draining mm-hmm. kind of movie. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's definitely drama. Yeah, I mean I think I would say it's definitely it's horror for sure, but it's definitely like fifty fifty at least, maybe sixty forty drama. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, and that's it's crazy to think that's been eight years now, man. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. You have seen the final interview, and we don't want no like spoilers or anything like that. But could you maybe just give a quick, like, not necessarily a review, but just an ideal for the fans of maybe what they're going to get to see? Yeah, um, it. it uh, I think the elements of Celeturcica, like what we just talked about, are probably pushed even more so in that direction. Um, definitely still horror elements but it's definitely I'm trying to think of the best way to say it man um, it's Fred spreading his wings you know I guess is, is a cheesy analogy to say but it's really true man like I, I think he doesn't want to be pigeonholed I don't think as, as, as an extreme guy as, as or as even just a horror guy and I think that's killer man you know because I think there's a lot of filmmakers that could benefit from that. Rob Zombie is a prime example. I'd love to see him do something that's not horror. I think a lot of his has to do with funding or whatever. But, yeah, I think it's it's definitely a branching out for Fred that will surprise a lot of people, but in a great way, man. I mean, you know, I, I when I watched this, I wasn't sure what to think, you know, from the trailer and everything. And when I watched it, the first immediate thing that I was floored by was, was the acting. I mean, just absolutely phenomenal and, and bar none, the best, the best acting that, that Fred has, has had yet. And, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things it's, it's, it is hard to talk about because it is still kind of under wraps and, you know, a lot of people haven't seen it and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much, you know, would want Fred would want shared. He'll probably share more and I'm sure, but, um, yeah, it, it's just really, it, it's, it's definitely spreading out, you know, Fred and showing more talents a more, a different side, a more cinematic approach. It's definitely easily the most cinematic thing I think toe tags done or Fred, because this is not a toe tag film. It is a Fred Vogel film. That is also something that's totally different about this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by it, man. I mean, when I say cinematic, even more cinematic than Red Sin Tower, which I know a lot of people will say is their most cinematic movie. This, this even more so, man. I mean, it, it's, he's definitely uh, going for it with this one. Yeah, we're, we're definitely looking for forward sure. to it. Yeah. Um, we talked about it briefly at the beginning, but you know you've been making music under Rain Architect for a while now, and did our theme song, which we're humongous fans of. Thank you so much. Um, how did that? Oh man, I appreciate that. How how did that all get started? Well, um, you know, I, I've played music, man, since I was a teenager. You know, playing bass guitar, and I used to play in several different bands and everything when I lived in Ohio. 
And, you know, I always experimented with electronic music a little bit because, like, you know, the Prodigy Nine Inch Nails, like, back in that era, man, that's that's the stuff that really turned me on to electronic music. I mean, Prodigy is probably the top one, but Nine Inch Nails, you know, they have that electronic element, too, that came from that. But, you know, I messed around with keyboards and stuff, but I never really got into it. I was still in the frame of mind is man if it ain't real instruments it sucks it's not real music they're, they're push by used to call it push button technology that's what i always used to say but you know sometimes you become what you hate or you don't like i guess you could say because my frame of mind on that's t- totally different now uh because i don't know man it's just something i always kind of dabbled in and wanted to do, and then I started to mess around with it in around 2012 or so, but I never had proper equipment, man. So last year, I was fortunate enough to have a ton of overtime at work and was, was able to pump some money into this thing, man. So I just went out and got everything I needed, man. I got a computer, a keyboard, bought the software. Um, I signed up with this distributor. I was just, you know, going balls out with it and uh, just went for it, man. I always wanted to have an album out there. And, uh, you know, I made pennies off of it, you know. But that's that's not the goal for me. You know, I, I, the, the satisfying regard for me is getting the album done. Like, I'm satisfied before it's even out. That's the part for me, man, is the creation of it all, you know, and the whole doing all that. And, and to have something that's out there you can hear on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, any of these streaming services, you know, it's like I talk to my parents, it's like, I feel like I've made it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a sign star, I'm not touring, I'm not even playing live, but this is what I've always wanted to do, have an album out that anybody can hear anywhere, and that's exactly what, what you can do in this day and age with the digital music and that's what i've you know very satisfied by that um but yeah man i mean it's just you know i've wanted to do it for so long and finally just got everything together got it out there got two albums out now and the third one is in the can it is uh it should be done mastering next saturday which would be may 12th i'm not sure when this is going to air but and after that, it'll be a matter of, uh, you know, getting it to the distributor and getting it out there. So it should see the light of day in June, I would say. But um, I would say it's probably a pretty good mixture of the first two albums, you know, electronic, synth wave, score, horror, elements, science, spacey, but hopefully something new, too, along the way. But I'm very, very happy with it, man. I've just kind of been sitting on it this year. And um, just wait, waiting for the right time, man. I really burnt myself out on making it, and because uh, I just poured so much into it, man, for like three straight months. And when I was done, I was like, man, fuck, yeah. I, I do not want to promote an album now. So I just sat on it for a while. And luckily, James was tied up mastering other things at the time; didn't have time for it. Now it's I'm, I'm feeling that itch to get it out there because I'm really. I listened to it again the other day, man. I hadn't listened to it in a couple of months, and I'm still very very happy with it which i'm that usually isn't the case when i hear my own stuff after a little while so i'm excited to get it out there and you talked about scoring some of keith Floyd jr's stuff uh is that something you're looking to do more so in the future as well maybe score some movies oh yeah yeah definitely uh i've talked to a few 
uh, independent filmmakers, nothing's really got off the ground with that. And it's not been on my end. It's just, you know, projects not coming through or not working out or whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, man, I, I definitely want to do that because I, I love score music, man. I love instrumental music i mean that's why my stuff is instrumental like you know i i, I want to start playing around with samples and stuff someday and get some cool samples going and, and what i'm doing but i just love the whole score aspect and you know like the killer monsoon bay man it's like okay i'll just make my own fucking score to something that doesn't exist but i'll try to tell a story through song titles and emotion songs you know so, it, it, yeah, I mean, I want to, man. I definitely want to, to do something. And again, like with Lust and Army, yeah, I scored it, but I didn't because the songs were already made and just put to the movie. I want to get a movie and write the music to what I'm seeing on the screen. That's what I really want to do. And, yeah, I definitely, definitely want to do that. Yeah. And, and I'm sure if I was more involved with the convention scene like I used to be, you know, there'd probably be a lot more opportunities and connections. I'm just, I'm not really connected to the scene anymore like I used to be either. So it's, it's really probably a lot of it's just on me, you know, just connections. But, um, I mean, it, it'll happen. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, I mean, I'm just, I just like making music, man. I'm just going to keep doing what I do, whether, you know, five people listen to it or 5,000 listen to it, man. I just, you know, like, again, the fun part for me is the creation of the music and making something that I'm really happy with and that I want to hear, you know? Well, is there anything else you want to bring up before we call this an interview? No, man, I mean, I think that's about it. Um, yeah, um, yeah, on the music end, man, my, the next album is going to be called Drifting Towards Andromeda. It's going to be uh, 14 songs, 48 minutes long, so it's the the biggest project I've put out with Rain Architect yet. Um, but that's about all I have going on creatively, man, is that, you know, like I said, doing the family thing, work thing a lot. You know, I don't I don't get my fingers into as many pies as I used to, but that's fine, man, because, you know, I'm still satisfied with what I'm doing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, acting, man, I'm, I'm down for doing more if the opportunity comes up, score stuff. I mean, Whatever comes my way, man, I'll definitely consider anything. And if it's, you know, something feasible on my end, I'm, I love collaborating, you know, and doing things. So, but yeah, man, I'm just, I'm honored you guys had me on to do this, man. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Hopefully I gave some good insight and didn't ramble too much. <laughs> no, it was great. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, man. <laughs>